0: Today is kind of the Sunday that is often maybe the Sunday that would take place on the first Sunday of a year. I might say I'm, I'm kind of running off of uh, uh, Cody and Nick here a little bit earlier, and uh, today's much of a family chat. I love that thing with them just goofing with each other. I love the awkward in it. I just love all that. Uh, we have a blast together and are grateful to be together and so today I just want for you to know is a little bit of a family chat not kind of a normal uh, sermon time and it's really revolving around this question that everybody is asking today and that question is is so what's ahead like what's ahead and I'm really orienting that question to here What's ahead for us this year as a church family? Everybody's asking about what's ahead with COVID, what's about ahead with our society, what's ahead with the economy, what's ahead with GameStop stock, um, and even just with what's ahead spiritually for God's people. What's what's ahead on the ministry landscape? I'll just tell you all those except for the GameStop question are really ones that even just as church leadership, we're asking right now as we're in the midst of doing visioning for the coming years uh, right now. And you're asking it as well. And I can't necessarily answer most of those questions, but today I can answer this question. Uh, And the question is, so what's ahead for us this year as a church family and here on Sundays? Uh, What are we going to be diving into this year? And so I'm excited to be able to share that with you and kind of guide you through that, lead you through that. And I could just say it simply this, we're going to be entering into the latter half of 1 Samuel, then we're going to go to the New Testament this summer and jump into 1 Peter, and then we're going to come back after the summer and we're going to jump in and cover through all of 2 Samuel. But I have more information to tell you about that. But before telling you about that, I would like for us to take Dave Harvey's advice from last week and from a couple weeks ago when we were talking about remembering god at work and i'd like for us just to go back here about a year and let's just kind of come bring it forward what's been happening here in this room in this teaching time together over the last year let me just remind us of that and if you're newer here i think this is going to give you some catching up and, and understanding of where we've come from and what's taking place here It was uh, January of last year, before masks were something we thought our country would be wearing, uh, like we do now, that we entered into a series uh, called Radiant God. Uh, We had started the year out grabbing a hold of a new church name, Radiant Bible Church. And we likened it to January of last year. Let's kind of liken this new church name to we're putting on these new boots, we've got them laced up, and we're going to walk through the three words of this name so we can get some mileage on it and understand why this name, why is it important. And so we walked through each of those three words and we had Radiant. Radiant God grasping his greatness. We spent nearly five months talking about the intrinsic nature of our God, And I want to say this, we're not talking about moments in time in which God is like these things, or a good example of these things, but we're talking about the very intrinsic nature of who our God is. And we talked about how our God is eternal, and triune, and self-existent, and self-sufficient. Our God is unchanging, He is creator, He is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-holy. Our God is a covenant-maker. Our God is long-suffering, our God is sovereign, our God is just, our God is jealous. We talked about not how just our God is merciful, but our God is mercy. Our God is mercy. That our God is grace. That our God is faithful. That our God is good. That our God is love. Not just loving, but God is love love and our God is radiant and that's why we grabbed a hold of that word it's not about radiant us it's about radiant God and then after that we went to our second word radiant Bible um, radiant Bible trusting his word and we we're there in that series we were reminded and we're secured and that God's word is a big deal here a big deal here Um, We talked about at that time we were led in understanding it is God-breathed, it is inerrant, it is trustworthy, it is authoritative, it is sufficient, it is glorious. In Deuteronomy 32, these are not just idle words for you, they are your life. That's a big statement. And so we decided, although uh, it's not necessary, but we decided to go ahead and keep Bible in our name, radiant Bible. and then we had church and. Followed up trusting his word with radiant God being his people. We jumped into the epistle, the book of James, and and walked through James for that period of time and talking about what does it look like to be God's people. uh, Being God's people and locally gathered expressions of God's people who are pursuing God together and just mining that book out for that and being a people pursuing Christ together radiant bible church um here's what we wanted to have happen after last year church taking on a new name how often does that happen what a unique opportunity and wanting to take on a name that preaches not just any old name but a name that preaches and so we trust that that was helping to us. And so that was last year, those three series of breaking in our boots with our new church name. And, and then we entered 2021. We entered 2021 uh, with a name that preaches and uh, in need of some refreshment. And so we decided that, you know, we're going to take these first Sundays of January and we're just going to kind of refresh ourselves. Let's not even talk or let's not even focus on what's coming this year. Let's just like here now, let's just get some breathing. So uh, we have had these Sundays and the first was refreshed in the gospel story. The gospel story. Uh, Over the last century, um, I've been concerned that there's been a tendency for God's people to present the gospel as some myopic self-help steroid for the soul in the moment. Um, We've lost, oftentimes, the actual story of the full gospel from the beginning to the end. And it's so momentary and it's so myopic about us, but the gospel story is not myopic and it's not a self-help. It is the story of all of life. It is why we are here. And if you don't understand why we are here and what is going on with here, you will not understand why the gospel is so important. It's not just about your and my life in the years that you and I live. It's about a beginning that God began. It's about a coming eternal end that God is going to put in place. And we live in the middle and we live in the middle of that as sinners separated from God because of our brokenness and sin. And yet Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came and put boots on the ground, went to the cross, died for us, rose from the dead. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God that began and that eternally continues and that includes even living in a war zone right now of redemptive history and if we don't understand that we get lost when times come about like what we've been having the gospel story we are to be the people who are positioned in our understanding of the gospel and the gospel story and all of it. So as this world falls apart, we are positioned to be the givers of hope. Not just to a moment, but to people's eternity. The gospel story. Refreshed in the God at work story. Talked about how a call to remember, to recall, to, to mind. Psalm seventy-seven eleven was key on that Sunday. David talks about, I will remember, I will recall to mind the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. We're to be a remembering people all the time and brought Deuteronomy 6 into that and the whole idea of we're to be people that are posting his words and his works in our minds and in our hearts. We're to be putting them before our eyes. We're to be teaching them in our homes and talking about them when we sit and when we lie down and when we walk and when we get up. Listen, talking about the Lord should not be the odd moment at home. Talking about the Lord should be the norm in our homes. And even as a gathering together as people, bind them on your hands, write them on the doorposts of your house. Uh, Might I say, uh, refreshed in being loud that God has been at work. And then third, it was refreshing who we are and what we do. We talked about what we've loudly posted on the walls in here. For us in, as a church, in times where it's been uh, filled with what has been filled, you can lose sight of what's going on and get lost in it all. And, and we're a church that's committed first and foremost to the worship of Christ. It's a doxology thing. It's, it's a mind that is oriented towards the praise and the glory and the adoration of God first. God is seeking glory for himself First. And as we see God bigger, we then will lean into the Lord. You see, a walk with Christ comes out of a high view of Christ. And as our view of Christ increases, we want to lean in even more. I mean, you want to be around people that you are amazed by. And as we are increasingly amazed by the Lord, not only will then a person come to Christ uh, through the work of Christ, but they will continue to walk in Christ. And it is then out of that walking, driven by a high view of God, that then it's like, I want nothing else. i want I got to be involved in being able to serve the Lord and work for the Lord in my home and in my school and at work and in my community and, and wherever that might be. And we talked about how we oftentimes get it the opposite way. We're legalists by nature. We want to start with a work. Yeah, if you work for Christ, that proves that you're walking with Christ. And then if you're working for Christ, it proves that you're walking with Christ. And then God will love you. Wait a second. That is so messed up, friends. That is what's called a Pharisee. Instead, it's the other way. Be awed by God. And as we're awed by God, we lean into him. And we walk with him. Martha, Martha, stop all the activity and just sit with me. And then out of that we work, serve the Lord. And then last Sunday, Dave Harvey was here. What a, what a sweet Sunday. Psalm 63, refreshed from an empty soul. Empty is is empty does. He talked about go up, go back, go loud. Three takeaways I had, statements Dave made, I wrote down and... I'll share with you one was, uh, empty may be my present feeling with God, but God is not empty to me. Hmm, there's a truth to be held on to. God will at times empty us in order to grow us. God will at times empty us in order to wean us. God will at times empty us in order to fill us. We don't like to be emptied, but that's actually on God's plan for us at times to mature us. And then I love this one, so applicable to where we're headed this year. He said, uh, David makes God the answer to his empty. Hey, if you're feeling empty, the people around you are not the ones who can fill that. This world cannot fill that. More money in your bank account cannot fill that. A better job will not fill that. Married, having children, will not fill that. God is the filler of the empty. Man, that preaches. Oh, I pray that these recent Sundays have just been refreshing for you and time to kind of catch our breath, to center our thoughts, and even I pray to refresh our soul. And so today, this is kind of this time where I want to have us get refreshed in what's ahead for this year. I want to let you know now what's coming out. Uh, this year uh, to be refreshed in that. So what is ahead? Well, let's lean into that. What is ahead for us? Refreshed in that. Please open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. This is a top 10 text for me in all of Scripture. Uh, It is just a moment in light of Uh, Joshua 3 and all that took before that and what it is leaning into into the future. It's interesting. Joshua 3, when you think before all this, uh, you go back to the Exodus and end of Genesis, beginning of Exodus, and the Hebrews are slaves in Egypt, and they're slaves there for some centuries of time, generation after generation after generation of slaves. And then God says, I'm going to redeem you out and God steps in and God redeems them out of slavery. What a picture there. And he miraculously brings them to the mountain of Mount Sinai. And is there that God tells them, I want you people, some two million people, I want you people to be a people taking me to the world. And by the way, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to give you a place that we came to call it here ascending base place. I'm going to give you a land where you can have that it is not for you to be inward and all about you, but actually it's to be a place where you can be at to be out to the world. And we are right at that point where, after slavery for all this time, after coming out of that, after God telling what he wants to do with them, after them messing up and God saying, you know what, I'm going to have you do a few more laps in the desert for a while and kind of let a generation die off. And we're now right at that point where it's like, oh, I've got a land for you and you're on this side of the Jordan and it's right there. And we'll look, look at what God says. So he says, I have something marvelous right ahead for you that I've been talking about with you and uh, let me read verses one through six. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shetham and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, The officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits in length. That's a half mile. Why? Why? Here God has some two million people up on this side of the Jordan. They're about to cross the Jordan for the first time into the promised land sending base place. They haven't been there before. And God says, stand back. I'm going to have the Levitical priest bring the Ark of the Covenant down and it's going to stay a half mile in front of you. Why? I argue so that they could see God work. Two million people positioned back far enough but close enough to be able to see God do a work and be awed. And what does then is said? Then, verse 5 then Joshua said to the people, In light of that, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's like pause. It's like stop. It's like just don't willy-nilly just go, ooh, let's run it. Uh, No, no, pause and prepare yourself. That's what this Sunday is kind of like. I just want to tell you what's ahead so that we can get our hearts ready. Because God, it's your word and we're gathering as your people and when that happens... We know the Spirit of God goes to work. Let's get amped up. Consecrate yourselves. Today is that pause. So let me tell you what's on the other side of this week. Well, one thing that's on the other side of this week is the Super Bowl. And next Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, boom, we're going to begin a new series. And we're going to begin a new series called Raised Through Adversity. It's 1 Samuel chapter 15 through chapter 31 through the rest of the book. In fact, since you have Joshua on your lap, uh, take a look through. Just go to the right. You see Joshua. What's the next book? You tell me. Judges. And then what's after Judges? First Samuel. So go over to chapter 15. That's where we're going to pick up uh, next week. Uh, next Sunday for 15 Sundays, we're going to work our way through uh, the book, the rest of the book of Samuel, and I'll, I'm going to give you a little bit more information on that. Let me kind of tell you through the rest of the year. So we're going to do that starting next Sunday. We're going to take that up, finish through First Samuel, and then we're going to it'll be right around mid-May, and we're going to jump into Stand Firm. Uh, Pastor Cody and Pastor Nate are going to take us and uh, work uh, through uh, verse by verse through First Peter. And uh, we're gonna work through that. One of the things we're looking to do is just have our guys increasingly have opportunities to preach and our guys to be able to do that even in some uh, sections of time. And so I'm super excited about them doing that. So that's gonna be 12 Sundays in 1 Peter, stand firm. By the way, how so, that so fits with the whole of the movement of it. Uh, David being raised through adversity and then we go to the New Testament and we're gonna hear about, if you will, kind of the same idea. Of standing firm in tough times. And then after that, we're gonna pick up, and uh, a third series is sustained in adversity. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament, back to, or start 2 Samuel, and we're gonna see God at work through David's life, through the entire book of 2 Samuel, and that'll take us uh, through November and uh, set us right in a position for Christmas. Raised through adversity. Sustained in adversity, stand firm. I'm just going to tell you, those are three relevant conversations week in and week out to have in light of what's going on today. Hey, Pastor Doug, why the two series uh, in Samuel, why does it have the word adversity in it? Is that because of what's going on today? Uh, No. In fact, if you have it, turn to 2 Samuel chapter four. 2 Samuel chapter four. It's actually because David used the ter- uses the term for his own life. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 9, David is beginning this reply to the, to the sons of Rimmon. And he says in that, in verse 9, he says, As the Lord lives, and note this, Who has redeemed my life out of every adversity. Now, what a view David has. And by the way, as we're gonna be learning here starting next Sunday up uh, through the, the uh, latter half of 1 uh, Samuel, David goes through a whole lot of adversity and he even does in the beginning of 2 Samuel. And by the way, it's important to know this, David's life is not posh. Oftentimes I think people look at David and it's like, oh my word, that dude won the lottery job. Uh, I mean, he's a shepherd and you know, he plays harps, he sings, he's a mama's boy. No, and he's doing this, and then he like gets this job, and he's king, woo, and it's like, what a perfect, pristine job to have. Uh, friends, um, let me fill you in. David's life before he becomes king and after he becomes king is filled with adversity. And that's why he says what he says. It's filled with it. His life was not perfect. His life would not be described as comfortable, or posh, or easy living, or easy street. I mean, his life would not be described as he had a very tight-knit family. Wasn't that? His life would not be described as always, No, there's a guy that always makes the right choices and for sure his life would not be fully summarized. Now there's a guy with absolute pristine character. And here's the thing, I bring all of that up because our series is not really about David. Our series is not about how David is awesome. Our series is about how God is awesome and God works through people who fail and fall. Now there's some hope and in times of adversity. And God is not redeeming every time of David's adversity, such that God brings him from poshness back to poshness. Listen, that's an American view of the gospel. That if I come to Jesus, everything becomes posh and sweet and comfortable and trial-free. Oh, <laughs> James didn't say that, and we just studied through that. In fact, James says that God, in his sovereignty, will bring tests that trial our faith to produce maturity in us. God is not about pampering us, God is about perfecting us, growing us in maturity. In Christ, And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that God at work in David's life. And I hope, as you can tell, I am really amped up about it. And here we are, a half mile back from entering in. And I want today to be an informing and a pause before we step in. Today could have been the introduction to 1 Samuel 15, but I wanted us to pause... Get excited. And so I think if I were in your shoes, I would have two questions. One question is Doug, why 1st and 2nd Samuel? And the other question I'm sure you're asking is So what can I do to get ready for next week? Right? All right. First question Why 1st and 2nd Samuel? I want for you to understand some of the whys that are not only just why it in particular, but even how I go about and we go about why we preach what we do here. So let me begin with this, three reasons why, First and second Samuel. Because number one, I desire to shepherd people to a deeper love for God's word, for God's word. I desire that. That's been the case ever since I stepped out of business life into ministry life. I just want people to come to love God's word more. Because for most of my life, God's word was not necessarily all that exciting, or at times even that relevant. I fear, in general, that even God's people have a pretty low view of God's word. I would term it this way. There is an appreciation for But I am concerned that there is nowhere near a Deuteronomy 32, it is my life view. And I say that because that's actually my story. Growing up, going to church, um, with my family for really all my life, I would say this, for most of my life and into my 20s, I had an appreciation, and I would even say a strong appreciation for God's word. I wanted to know what God had to say. I wanted to know what God had to say about my life and for my life. And yet I don't think I could say I viewed God's word as my life. I had an appreciation. I don't think I had a view that God's word is actually as sufficient as it is. But then God used some people in my life and time and years and just teaching in my life to help me come to understand. I would say it this way, back from my engineering background it went from being one dimensional, not to two dimensional, but to three dimensional. Literally, I think as I look back, I viewed God's word as kind of a one-dimensional thing of information that was really good and helpful here and there, as time here and there. And then all of a sudden, it like leaped into this whole thing. I had no idea that God's word was so relevant in speaking into life and work and business and marriage and parenting and relationships and sin and discouragement and hurt and wondering about my past. And I am so thankful for that, that that has driven me. I want that in you, to see God's word in a whole life-giving, life-reality thing. It's a passion of mine. And that includes not just knowing to be able to fill in blanks about the Bible, I'm talking about feeling it, and seeing it, and grabbing it, and relating to it, and joyous with it, and crying with it, and seeing you and me in it. And I believe in 1 and 2 Samuel, we are going to see ourselves in it. I desire that for me, I desire that for you. Secondly, I desire to shepherd God's people through all of God's Word. Uh, if you were to come into my office, I have this is my thing in my office. This is for me, not for frankly anyone else, really. It's just for me. And I have a sermon wall in my office, I call it. It's uh, the sermons that I've preached over the years here. It actually begins in the beginning in the theater. I don't know if you can see it, but it's a, a red carpet into a theater when we first started in the theater. And, and then I had set out, I wanted to teach a gospel, I wanted to teach an epistle, I wanted to teach an Old Testament text, and I wanted to teach a topical, so that everybody who was beginning to go to this church understood I'm about the whole of the Bible and teaching the whole of it. And then it carries on with that. And you can see here we've got highlighted, let's go to the next slide where it's the... Uh, um, the new testament these are the books mark and ephesians luke chapters 1 and 2 and titus and galatians and john and acts and mark and revelation and these are the the books that uh, i've been able to teach through and in no way do i communicate any of this as some kind of pat on my head i just want for you to know what's in my head and why i'm going where i'm going and so we were talking about what what about this coming year and we're like we haven't been in first peter yet so cody and nate are like we'll go there and uh so we're going to first peter and we get to add that uh, to the list i'll bring in the old testament here with the uh, yellow ones and and if you see here something's been going on for me in fact let's kind of take the the new testament ones out so it's a little uh, clearer for you to see here and you can see in the beginning the first old testament book that i taught through was exodus and then i did part first half of daniel but then joshua judges Uh, we did some Psalms, and then Samuel. Exodus, Joshua, Judges, first half of Samuel. What's going on? Answer, we're moving through. And I know that you may not have been here through all that, but I just want you to know As I stand one day before the Lord, and the Lord says, so Doug, talk to me about how you led those people through, and I'm like, I want to lead them through your word. What's happening out there does not drive what happens in here. What's happening in here drives how we view out there. And this is our life. And so why 1 Samuel? Well, because I love teaching uh, through all of uh, God's word of it. And so we're going to pick up uh, the rest of 1 Samuel and then uh, go through 2 Samuel. So I desire to shepherd people in a deeper love for God's word, so I get pretty crazy passionate about it. I, I desire to shepherd God's people through all of God's word. So Doug, uh, okay, then why now? Why this now? Why, why, why pick up the, the story of the Old Testament now? And my answer to why now is because of now. Um, we are living in adversity-filled days in a unique way that I think being able to see God at work in people who are experiencing adverse times and even adverse times in their own heart would be really fitting for us this year. So we're gonna do that. The latter half of 1 Samuel is about David being raised up through adversity. It's like one after another, after another, after another. And yet God continues to raise him up through it. And then 2 Samuel is is about how God sustains David in adversity. I mean, the dude's got a pile of junk going on in his life. And yet God sustains him in that. And I want to reemphasize here that this is not about how David is something special. This is about how God is something special, even in a person like David. So we're going to go there because I think we could use it in our days that we're experiencing right now. And let me even just wet your appetite and then I'll wrap it up. We're gonna see David in 1 Samuel 16 and two Sundays. He's going to be anointed king of Israel by Samuel. David never put an application in for the job. David never um, put his name out for the job. David is likely, it's, don't quite know, but some say he's 10 years old. I think that's too young. Uh, 20 years old. I, I think he's probably 15 to 20 years old by that time in, in chapter 16. I'm going to go with 20 years old just because I like round numbers. And in chapter 16, David has said that he is going to become king of Israel. You advance a whole bunch of chapters to chapter 31, the end of 1 Samuel, and David has no king title and no king throne. And it's been probably a good 10 years. By the time you get to the end of 1 Samuel, David, who was, uh, I think, about 20 years old when Samuel said, you're going to become king, David, by the end of Samuel, 1 Samuel, is burgeoning right on 30 years old. Some 10 years... And I'm just telling you, if I were David, I would be like, God, are you messing with me? Like, what's the plan? Like, God, you seem very slow. God, maybe you even feel a bit, I feel like you're a bit disconnected with what's going on. Are you punking me? Hey, we're going to get into that. Have you ever thought that way, wondered that about God? I have. We're going to see God at work in a young man who God pulled from tending sheep to tending a nation. That's a jump. We're going to see um, David wrestle with God's plans and purposes. We're going to see how by God's grace David lived under imperfect authority. There, and there might be a word for God's people today. Living under imperfect authority authority. In fact, authority that wanted to kill him. Hmm. We're going to see how God's people became more consumed by the big words of a big Goliath than the big words of a big God. And just as a pastoral moment, friends, I am really concerned that God's people are getting more wound up in the big words of big Goliath of our day and losing the big words of their big God. We're going to see a Yahweh loving man wrestle with his own sin and failure. We're going to see how people can indeed live strong and faithful for the Lord in a physical and spiritual war zone. We're going to see a leader for God live under the weight of the unrealistic expectations of others that he should be the full package. And we're going to see, we're going to ask some questions like this one. How is it that God seems to turn a blind eye on David when he has a small harem of wives and concubines. How does that work? And yet we have this term, he is a man after God's own heart. And then on top of that, Jesus even associates himself by saying, Jesus, the son of David. Why would the second person of the Trinity tie himself to that one living like that? There's a lot of questions to be asked. And we're gonna ask some of them. Can't ask all of them. But we're gonna ask a good number of them. And then you add first Peter to all this. And friends, it's gonna be a buckle up year. And I'm looking forward to it. And I pray that you are as well. So last item. So what can you do to prepare for us jumping into this series starting next Sunday? Because I know you're just dying with that question. Three things. Number one, I want to encourage you to read First Samuel chapters 1 through 14 this week. Two times, 20 minutes each, you can read it. 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 14, you'll be ready and raring to go. Secondly, I want to encourage you to do some consecrating time this week. God, with what's ahead at our church with what's ahead, with what we're gonna be learning out of your word from that. God, would you do a work in me? Would you prepare me? God, would you do a work in us as a faith family? And Lord, uh, there are gonna be things that you're gonna do in this that we don't even know what it is right now. But God, prepare us for that, would you please? So read, consecrate, and then come ready. Come ready with tools in hand. Bring your Bible, bring a pen, bring something to write with. Those of you who are in small groups that are going to be doing the sermon-based uh, here for this uh, session uh, you're going to have a, a little book that pastor Eric has put together and the team and in it it's got uh, first and second Samuel in it and or I'm sorry first Samuel in it and it's got space in it so you're going to have that uh, our small group is not going to be doing sermon based here this round or so if you're not in a small group or your small group's not doing that just another tool that's out there I want for you to know uh, I got this on Amazon for eight dollars and I don't know if I get a commission on off of this uh, at all, but um, it's First and Second Samuel, English Standard Version. They call it the Illuminated Scripture Journal. And it has First and Second Samuel, it has the text on one page all blank on the other. And so if you want to do a lot of writing, you can do all that, keep it together. This is another tool. I'm a guy who likes to write in my Bible. And so in that, I work it, and uh, you come ready to do that. And let's come ready to go up and Go back and go loud, all right? So thank you for kind of gathering together, planning what's ahead, just being informed of what's ahead for this year, and let's head forward loud together, all right? And let me do that in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time, and thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church family to gather like this, to to bring ourselves together, whether it's here in the house or online, and in unison together to be able to not only lift your name high, but to be able to study your word deep and i pray that would happen this year lord as we look ahead and and just as you have shown yourself year after year after year you do things far beyond what we can think or imagine and i pray that this year Lord, whatever comes away in our economy, and our world, we are people who want to lean into you, and we want to adore you, and we want to serve you, and I pray this series would teach us more about who you are and how you work and what you can do, and that we would see you doing an awesome work in and through each of us and all of us. And so it's with anticipation that we look forward to what you're going to do. Trusting in the work of Christ and the Spirit of God in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.